Hebrews chapter 12. Before I uh, introduce the sermon and get to this passage, I do want to ask God's blessing again on us. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we have just sung a song that is very convicting to us, O Lord, and we pray that you would have mercy on us and that you would forgive us for our sins, for you have promised that if we confess our sins to you, that you will forgive us of all unrighteousness. So as we come to you now, Lord, we come looking to you to instruct us and teach us, asking you, Lord, to have mercy on us and forgive us for all of our sins and help us, Lord, to rest in the Lord Jesus Christ who was offered for our sins. He is the one who is our only hope and we trust in him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. May he be glorified now through the ministry of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, I preached to you of the congregation here about running the race that God has given us to run that we might enter into God's lovely house at the end of our day. Today, I want to preach about bringing our children with us on that road, in that way. I'm doing this because today we're baptizing two covenant children, Ethan Barnes and Henry Talos, as well as welcoming a young man, Jack Bigney, who professed his faith and was received into communicant membership. He was baptized some years ago, as these little ones will be today. At this time, Ethan and Henry must be brought by their parents, but Jack is now of sufficient age and maturity to bear responsibility for continuing in the way himself. And so he's taken that responsibility as he met with the elders. He's taken solemn vows, which you will hear him repeat today, to affirm that he is looking unto Jesus and will run on that road to God's house, looking unto Jesus, which is the way to go. It's not a literal road to go in that way until the very end. His parents have brought him up with that since he was baptized on the road. They brought him down the road with them. And, uh, but now is he is taking up that mantle to carry on as God has called him. So the sermon today is focused on bringing our children with us, our little children with us, especially until they come to years and ability to run on their own. Understand, of course, again, I'm not speaking about physical running or some pathway or pilgrimage that we go on in a literal sense that way. They had that in the Old Testament, actually, going up to the house where the temple was. We sang about that, but that was understood in a spiritual way. It represents going to God's eternal house in glory. So uh, spiritual running to God the Father looking unto Jesus. I'll begin with a reading of our text, and it is the same text that we had last week, but we're looking at it now with the perspective of bringing our children with us. So Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, same as last week. This is God's holy and infallible word. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of the faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And there we end the reading of God's word. So you see in the overall picture here, Jesus is the one who made it. He, he went down that road that no one else could actually go down until he did. He had to break open the way to go to the Father's house. And he came there in glory and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Even those that had lived before that did go to God, they only did it because of what he was going to do. And he has now opened the way for all of us. And he persevered all the way through the cross because of the delight that he had in that house. We're going to be looking at that further today. So we thank God for his word. 
Again, my main focus this morning will be to show you how to bring your little children with you on the highway to God's house of glory. There'll be much for all of us, but we have many people that have little children that are in the middle of this, or people that have grandchildren that uh, are concerned in this, or people that will have children in the future. So it's important for us all to understand these things. But before I do, I first want to make it clear that the Lord wants us to bring our children with us on this road. I suppose in some ways that should be obvious. We read Genesis 18 today in our Old Testament Scripture reading, and I stopped at verse 19. It was kind of in the middle of the passage. Because there God tells us clearly what He expects of those that He has called to come to Him for eternal life on the highway that He has provided for us. The way, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Me. So in the way that God has made, uh, He explains that He has revealed things to Abraham because He has chosen Abraham to go in that way. Not only to come to Him, though, but also to bring His household with Him. That's what it says in that verse that I'm referring to. Genesis 18, 19. God is speaking here, and He says, For I have known Him, or that word could be, I have chosen Him, I've, I've chosen Him out from the, in the world, in order that He may command His children and His household after Him. So it emphasizes that children are included too. Um, and His household after Him, that they keep the way of the Lord. The way to God. The way that God made for Abraham to come to Him, and through Abraham for all the nations to be blessed and come to Him. Okay, so he says, to command His children His household after Him, that they keep the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice, do what God wants, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what He has spoken to him. So if Abraham did not command his children, they would not know the way. If he did not bring them, command them to keep the way, then they would go all over the place in other ways. They would be off that pathway. So it was necessary for him to do this. So note the words here. He's not merely to invite them to come. He is to command them to keep the way of the Lord. You don't say, uh, if you want to do this, you can think about what you want to do. It's like, no, this is, this, is, this is what we're doing in our house. Joshua is like that. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's not an option. Our God is God. He's, he's appointed, he's called us to salvation. We're going to go his way. And then the, you know, the thing that he's promised, well, I already really referred to that, but to, that he may obtain what he's promised. What, what is that? What is that? It's the kingdom of righteousness. God's house is where God is, and we go to God that we might dwell with him forever as our father from whom we were cut off. And that's where we're going. That's what God has promised. He's promised to bring that. All You will be blessed, Abraham, in the way that I'm appointing for you, and all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is going to spread to all the world. And of course, it was through the Son that was going to come to Abraham that all of that would be. How in the world, so long ago, did uh, this prophecy come that there would be a son born that would be a descendant of this man thousands of years later, and that then the nations would come to that son after he came to, uh, to know God. It's only because God was in it. He was the one that made that prophecy. So he told Abraham that any families that wanted to be his, his people would need to receive the sign of the promise. In Genesis 17, just before this, God had promised that he would be God to him and his children. And to confirm that promise... He commanded Abraham to be circumcised as a sign of the covenant and to circumcise his sons on the eighth day. Now, this circumcision showing that all children born to him, male or female, were set apart to be his people because, of course, the male bringing forth by his seed, both male and female, when he is cleansed in this way, then it is to show that God is bringing forth people for himself out of a sinful world. So he told Abraham that any families that wanted to be his people must also be circumcised with all their males from eight days old, but that anyone who is not circumcised, even among his people, would be cut off. He said, you've broken my covenant. You, you've, you've not put your, 
your child in the way, you've, you've set him out of the way. Moses actually did not circumcise his children at first, his little, little boys, and, and God came and rebuked him and threatened to even kill his children. And then quickly he, he circumcised them and, and, and carried on. Because the way, but because of the way that people think today in our particular society, we tend to see everyone completely separate from each other. There's no family connections that we really acknowledge anymore in a, in a serious way. We see people all as individuals. Then there is a tendency naturally for us to reject this idea that a child would be born into the same kind of pathway that their parents are like this. We want to we leave it up to everyone to, to decide what they're going to do. But Jesus made it perfectly clear that even now in the New Testament, that children are still part of his kingdom. Okay, The question, are children at birth part of his kingdom? Or are they outsiders? Which, which is the case? Well, when parents were bringing their children, who were part of his kingdom, who were, who were looking to him, uh, when they came to him that he might lay his hands to bless their children, his disciples rebuked them. And in Luke 18, 16, we are told, and, and there were infants here, the, Luke tells us, but Jesus called them to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is his church. The people that are traveling on the road currently in this world to the house of our heavenly father forever and ever where the kingdom of righteousness will be fully established. Though some do not have faith that are on that road, they're only on it externally, and they'll be cut off when they meet Him on the day of judgment. Those who are trusting in Him and who are sincere about going to the Father will be received. Jesus declares that these little children, including infants, whose parents brought them and who could not speak for themselves yet, belong to His kingdom until they would show otherwise. They, they are, begin in that way. We haven't time to look in detail. But this is affirmed by the following facts. Okay, every baptism where there was a, bab a household involved in the New Testament is a household baptism. In other words, the whole household was baptized. Even servants were baptized with their masters as they had been circumcised in the Old Testament unless they refused, in which case those servants were dismissed if you were a godly Jewish family. That was done by the faithful in the Old Testament. In Acts 2, when Peter baptizes the 3,000 on the day that Jesus poured out his spirit, Peter declares that those who receive the gospel, to those who receive the gospel, that the promise is to you and to your children, and to those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, the formula that he uses there, the promise is to you and your children, was well known to these Jews. That was not something that was outside of their common lingo and understanding. God's promise of covenant is for us and our children. Our children are with us as God's people. They're part of his kingdom. That was the way they all thought. And so when Peter says this, there's an automatic way that they would understand it. If we hear it as modern people that aren't, don't have that whole culture, we may say, well, what, what does that mean? What way are the children and all that? But for them, it was a given. Okay, so that's, uh, it, it's very important to think of the context there. And then the Apostle Paul, in his writings, expressly declares in 1 Corinthians 7.14 that there is some sort of great distinction between children who are on the way to God, who are in the kingdom, who are, who are going down the pathway to God's house. There's a great distinction between those children and children who are outside. And what does he say? He's talking to people that had, were married to an unbeliever. Maybe one of them had been converted. The other one refused to, to come to the Lord or whatever the case that brought them into that situation. One was on the road. The other was rejecting that way. And speaking to them, Peter said that uh, your children, if one of you is a believer, are holy. Otherwise, if neither of you are believers, they would be unclean. 
This is very, very, that's a huge distinction. Holy versus unclean. Those are polar opposites. And so the Lord makes this distinction in His Word. Rather than the entire household being made unclean because of an unbeliever in that household, rather because there's a believer, the whole house is sanctified and seen to be clean before God. That doesn't mean the individual who's in rebellion will be received by God. Quite the contrary. They'll be, all, they'll be doubly guilty because they were part of a sanctified house. And it couldn't be unsanctified by them, but they will be cut off themselves and judged. So will any child that, that comes in that way and then rebels against the, what has been given to them. Anyway, I don't want to preach a whole sermon on that passage. Uh, finally, I would mention that in Ephesians, when Paul writes to the church, he shows that the Lord still expects fathers to do what he told Abraham to do in Genesis. The passage we looked at in Genesis 18-19. Uh, in Ephesians 6-4, he says, And you fathers, so just as he spoke to Abraham as the head of the household, he speaks here specifically to fathers. You fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now, what is the training and admonition of the Lord? Surely that's nothing else but to bring them up in Jesus Christ. To train them or nurture them in the gospel that God's people have of salvation and to admonish them to follow Jesus as their Savior and Lord all the days of their life. As those who are in the way, who are holy, they are to be discipled in that way. Not in some other way, not in the ways of the world, but in the way of the Lord. It's His way, just as God told Abraham to do. Command them to keep my way, the way of righteousness and justice. The way of the promise that I've given you. So now we turn to our main focus. Okay, Having seen God wants us to bring the children, we turn to our main focus. How are parents to bring their children with them in the way of the Lord? The answer is pretty much the same as last week. We are to bring our children in the way of the Lord, looking unto Jesus. Okay, that's, that's what we looked at last week for ourselves. We're going to go in the way. How do we do that? How do, I go in the, how do I go to God's house? I go looking to Jesus my whole life. Beginning to the end, I endure looking to Jesus. If I go out of that way, then I won't be there. It will show that I never was really sincerely on the way because God will keep me if I am. But if I come on the way and make a show of being in the way for a while and then go off of it, I was never really in that way at all. Okay, so the first thing is that when we look at how it pertains to bringing our children, the same three things we looked at last week, this week, though, seeing how it pertains to bringing our children, the first thing is that we must lead them to look to Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith. Do you remember what that means from last week? It's, uh, it's, it's quite a wonderful thing. The whole church that God had appointed to salvation, the ideal church, even the ones that weren't even born yet, if you think about the whole people that were going to be redeemed, okay, they were cut off from God by sin. We were cut off from God. Just like everybody else was cut off by their sin. We were guilty of sin and condemned and fit only for rejection by God and everlasting punishment, not at all to be enter into His house. God had promised okay, to Abraham and even others before him, to receive people to himself, to redeem us, the whole church. He said he would redeem them all through his son that would be born years later, a descendant of Abraham, and that we would come back to him. There, there was no way for us to get to him on our own. Our sin separated us, and it brought us under his condemnation, and we were unacceptable to live in God's house. We were to wreck the place if we were there. But as the author of our faith, Jesus came from heaven to be the one of us that might come to God and bring us all to God. He's like the pioneer. Okay, the word author speaks of him as the founder. The word author means founder or the pioneer of our faith. 
He's called the forerunner in one place. The one who launched out ahead of us and went where we could not go in order that he might bring all of us there as our head and representative. That he might bring us all to God as the one who is the finisher of our faith. The other term that's used of him, the, the author and finisher of our faith, it shows that he got there. He reached the goal. Where is he? He's sitting down now at the right hand of the majesty on high. He got there. That means that as, the, as he's the representative of the church, the whole church got there. He brings us all there. We all go with him. So Jesus is there, and we're all going to get there through him. We're in one sense already there because our representative is there. But I don't want to just be here. I want to be there you know, fully. And that's what's going to happen. He got through by coming here from heaven, being born of a woman. He had to become one of us. He couldn't be the son of God as he was. He, 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 I mean, he continued to be the son of God, but he had to become our human flesh. So he was born of woman in order that he might represent us. And then for our sake, he went to the cross to open the way and atone for our sins that had separated us from God. So when God calls us to be saved, he calls us to look to Jesus as the way to God. And as we saw with Abraham, he appointed circumcision. Well, he appointed baptism for us as a sign that we are those who are cleansed by trusting in Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith. The one who died on the cross to atone for our sins. The one who made the way to God that we could not make ourselves. And as those who are trusting in him, he tells us that he is not only our God, but he still says the promises to you and your children. It's to both. They are his people, our children are his people. He has appointed that they also receive the sign of cleansing by Christ. By that sign, they are identified as his people from infancy. That means that we are to treat them as God's people who are going with us to God's glorious house where we will live with him forever and be delivered from all evil. Not only evil that's in us, but evil that is done to us in any way. We therefore teach them to look to him as the author and finisher of our faith, of our faith, to trust him as the one who saves us from our sins so that we can come from God. We say we rest on Jesus Christ. That's what we do in our household. We lead them to worship him and to thank him for what he has done for us and to rejoice in the forgiveness and the cleansing that we have by him. We teach them that their identity is with us. Their identity is with the whole church that Jesus came to redeem, that is cleansed by him. Those who hold fast to the end and show that they are truly his. Now, parents are wrong to do what is so much done to an extreme extent in our day to leave their children to figure out their own identity. They are left to flounder about and not know where they belong. That's the way of our modern society. And it is a wrong way to deal with children. This is the way the world has drifted in our day. It's not always been that way in all the world. And it's a miserable way to treat a child even though we act like it's the only kind and right thing to do. Christian parent, God has identified them as his people, and it is for you to bring them up in that identity as those who have been redeemed by him, as those who have been forgiven by him, as those who have obligations to live for him and to trust in him and to go on in his way to the end of their life when they will be brought into his wonderful house forever. If they don't have this identity, if they are not given this identity, then they're brought up in unbelief. They're brought up in some kind of neutral something. And even though they are baptized and have the privileges of a kind of a association and hanging around the visible church, if they are not looking to Jesus, they're not on the right path. And if you're not on the right path, you won't get to God's house. There's only one path. And if you're on another path, you're not gonna, it's, that's not going to lead to God's house, whatever that path is. 
So the first thing we do for our children is lead them to look with us to Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith, the one who did everything that needs to be done to bring the whole church to God's house, the one who opened the way that we might come to the Father. The second thing we must do is lead our children to rejoice in our hope. Like Jesus rejoiced in his hope, the things that were promised to him about this kingdom. We look to him, Jesus, as our supreme example. We look to other people too. The uh, Hebrews talks about the great, great cloud of witnesses. It's talking about all the ones that were mentioned back in Hebrews chapter 11. There's a whole list of them. People that trusted God and went down this way. This way of faith. This way of trusting God for what he has promised. But you see, Jesus is the one that, he's the one that is the supreme example. So, in, in other words, uh, it, it says uh, in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, that we look to Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. In other words, Jesus was so thrilled with the whole aspect of coming into his father's house and bringing the whole church into the father into his father's house which is what he came to do that he endured the cross that did not impede him it did not stand in his way as a significant thing that he would say i'm not going to do that it's too hard it's too much and we cannot even begin to fathom the horror of the cross to our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who hated sin and abhorred sin more than any of us do. And he had to endure the shame and guilt of all of our sin. And he said, this house, this promise that God has given of bringing me as the, and these people into his eternal kingdom is so important. It, it, it fills me with such joy to anticipate it that I'm ready to endure the cross. And he did. That's what kept him going. He did it because the Father in the Father's house was so marvelous in his eyes as an everlasting house where God's people would live in sweet harmony with him and the Father, worshiping them for all eternity and in glory. The very prospect of it so filled him with delight that he was willing to do what God called him to do. We are to follow his example. We're to set our hope on the glory of our Father's house. For that to be so important that we will endure whatever God calls us to endure on the pathway along the way. And the way is often hard here. It's intentionally hard. Jesus told us that as He took up His cross and denied Himself, we must do the same. We are sinners and, rebe and rebels and we have to be broken. And we're in a world of sin and hostility to God. And they're going to come and persecute us. And God uses that to develop us. We're going to be talking about that more when we go on in Hebrews. But uh, we did not see the importance of honoring our Heavenly Father. And we turned away from Him and from serving Him. And we learned to do that in this world when we serve Him with all kinds of trouble and difficulty. Like Jesus, we have to look at the glory that's promised, and to value the place in God's house so that we can endure whatever we're called to endure here, like Jesus did, without turning away to the world and what it has to offer. Okay, now that's a review of what we looked at last week for ourselves on the way. What about children? Parents, it is for you to point your children continually to the glory of the Father's house. To set that before them, that's a task for parents. You need to tell them that even if they were to gain the whole world, like Jesus said, and lose their own soul, that it would be worthless to have everything in the world, everything that they want out of the world, and to lose their own soul and not enter into this house. You need to teach them that the world is an empty show. That sinful lusts, rebelling against God, desires against God, that those are deceitful lusts. They, they promise much, but they deliver little. They deliver great sorrow. They look pleasing and sweet, but they're the way to destruction, bitterness, emptiness. It is so easy to go wrong here as parents. Your children can see what you truly value. You can talk one thing, but actually value quite another. And they see right through that. They can see if God is more important to you 
than riches and honors and pleasures and the esteem of other people being liked by other people or being safe and secure or, or your, your drugs and alcohol or whatever it is or recreation or, or romance or whatever it is. They know what is most important to you. They can see that very plainly. And so, and I tell you, we like to think that it doesn't affect them, but it does. What parents do greatly affects their children. If your heart is after something else, then you're bringing your children, you're off the way, and you're telling them of the way, but you're not on it yourself. You're going to lead them out of the way. And so we have to be very careful about that. Now, I know, I know that you come short. I do too. I know that we don't have that great joy that Jesus has that is so supreme that we go through whatever difficulties, whatever trials, and say, all I want is the Father's house. We're not, we, don't, we come short. But when you see that, what do you do as a parent? You say so. You say, I'm off track right now. I need to repent. I put too much value on this stuff over here and I was ignoring God. I'm coming back to Him. And your children see that too. Because yeah, we get off the path. We go sideways. We go into the ditch sometimes. And when we come back and they see that and they say, okay, this is what is really important and they learn that lesson. Parents, one of the best things you can do in this whole regard too is to read God's Word and talk about the glory of God's kingdom. There's so much in the Bible about that, of going in the way to God, of going to God, about the beauty of His kingdom and about the emptiness of everything else. The Bible talks about that over and over again. Pray for God's kingdom too with your children. Teach them about it. It Teach them to pray, your kingdom come. Give thanks for the hope of glory, for the hope of being gathered with Jesus Christ and with God the Father and living in His house. We don't focus on heaven enough. Look to Jesus as the ultimate author of the Psalms as you, as you sing the Psalms. Because what are they about? They're about going in God's way. The very first song, how blessed is the man who keeps God's way, who goes in the way of the Lord. How cursed is the man who does That's Jesus' song. King David wrote them, but he wrote them as a prophet, especially expressing the sentiments of King Jesus, who is our supreme example. David is a great example. Jesus is our supreme example. Look to Jesus. Sing with your children of the glory that is to come. With Jesus, our Master and Head, who for the joy that was set before Him, despised the shame of the cross and went all the way there. What a beautiful thing. Now, do you remember the third way that uh, we're to look to Jesus? It's not as explicitly stated in the text. We're to lead our children in looking to Jesus for the grace and strength to endure in the way, for the way that God, the way that God has marked out for us. Enduring in the way means that we maintain fellowship with God as we go along in life. When you get out of fellowship with Him, we talked about getting off track before, you get off track. You have run off the road that goes to God's house and you need to get back on. Maybe another road has attracted you and you've gone down that road. Maybe you just ran off into a ditch. But you need to cast off, as it says in verse 1, every weight and the sin that so easily sets you aside or that ensnares you or entangles you. You're entangled in another way instead of God's way. Those, what is this, what is this talking about? Those selfish desires, those things, maybe they're even good things, that have too high a place in your life where the joy that is set before you is not the supreme thing. Uh, they, they've taken a too big a place in your life. They must be cast off so that you can keep going down the road without impediment. It may be that you're weary of serving Him. It may be that you're bitter because of hard things that you had to endure. That you have lost your hope. That your eye is on something that is unworthy and you keep turning back to that thing. You have been put out of sorts with God and cannot joyfully go on to His house. What should you have, 
what, what should you do when that happens? You have to get back in fellowship with God. How do you do that? You confess your sin. You say, Lord, I went wrong. Lord, forgive me. I have sinned against you. I'm not walking in the light. I'm walking in the darkness. I'm not looking at what you have set forth. I'm looking at what the world has presented and offered to me. I'm looking at my own fleshly heart and what it wants. You look to Jesus, then confess your sin and look to him who cleanses you from your sin. That's why he died on the cross. You're not hopeless if you got off the track. You can't say, oh, well, it's all over now. I went off the road. Get back on the road. Confess your sin and he will welcome you. He will cleanse you and you can go right back down the pathway again that he called you to go on. He secures our pardon by his blood. It says in 1 John that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So that's what you do. You get back on track by his grace. It is the duty of you as a parent. Now we're bringing it to the children, right? We're bringing them with us. Okay, what are these little children? What do, what do we do there? It's the duty of your parent to, to see that your children continue in fellowship with God. That's what you want. It's very easy with the little children. This is a, a helpful thing. It's very easy to see when little children are in fellowship with God. <laughs> they, they don't hide it well. You know, you, you can tell. They whine. They complain. They refuse to obey. They become defiant and willful. You, you can tell. They're, they're not in fellowship with God. And don't say, oh, well, that, that's just being a child. No, it's not. That's sin. That's from a sinful, corrupt, wicked heart. All of those things I was just talking about. The Bible says do everything without whining, grumbling, complaining. If you leave them in that state, then you're not doing right as a parent. Some Christian parents will let their children remain out of fellowship with God for days and days, for weeks and weeks. And then it becomes years. It becomes simply their permanent condition. Their permanent state is not on the way, in the way, but off of the road to God. Such children are not on the road that leads to God's glorious house. They have not endured on that road. And unless they repent, they will perish without Christ because they have rejected him. It could be a two-year-old that's not on the road. It could be a one-year-old that's not on the road. Any age. God has given you special tools as a parent to help your children continue in fellowship with him. First, he has given you the means of grace to fortify them that they might stay in fellowship. They fortify you as well. But we're talking about children. So bring them to the word. They can't read yet, the little children. They need to hear from God each day to hear of what he has done, of how he wants us to live, of the promises that he made. But the word, this is very important. We talked about this at the youth meeting the other night. The, the word not only informs, the word also has a power in itself as the Holy Spirit works. So that when you hear the word, it actually changes you. It actually has a supernatural power that works in you. It's not the word itself. It's God using the word to, to do that. He transforms you by the grace of His Spirit. So bring them to, to the Word. Bring them also to the throne of grace. You know what it means by the throne of grace in the Bible? It's talking about coming and praying to God for help. It's the one who helps. It's the throne where you get help. You know, people go to the king and ask for help. Well, we go to the king of kings and the Lord of lords in Jesus' name. And we ask for help and He hears us. When they are babes, pray for them. They can't, they can't talk yet. When they get to where they can talk a little bit, then lead them in prayer. Say, pray a little bit a line and then have them repeat it and, and lead them through the prayer. And then coach them in their prayers as they get a little older. And uh, you're, you're guiding them in the way. And they're on the way to God. And remember their baptism. Remind them of how God has cleansed his people as shown by the washing with water. So he's cleansed us by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit who's given to us, who's poured out on us. Encourage them to rest in his saving work and to rejoice in it. Those are means that he's given you. And then there is song. We've talked about that already. Teach them to sing the praises of our God. That is very helpful to help them maintain hope in the way and to help you to do so. So that's the first thing. 
That's to maintain them on the way. We use all of those things. That keeps them on the way. Okay, second, he is giving you warnings and admonition. To admonish is to put to mind. That's literally what the word translated in our Bible, admonish, means. To put someone in mind of something important. It's often a warning. But to admonish, it has a kind of a sense that there's a danger you know, involved often. Uh, so, warnings and admonition. These tools God has put in the parent's hand are useful when you see indications that your children are under temptation. To put in the illustration of the road, there's another road there. And you see them looking at the other road. Or there's a hard place in the road. And you see them faltering and hesitating if they're going to go on. Are they going to do the hard thing that they've just been out? It could be a simple thing, like putting their coat on and going outside when you ask them to. Whatever it is. You, you, see, you can see sometimes that they, they haven't yet defied, they haven't rebelled, but there's, there's, there's a struggle going on there. This is when admonition and warnings come. They're starting to slide off the road. They're starting to slide out of fellowship. Call them aside and ask them, say, are you, you having a hard time, aren't you? <laughs> then you say, let's, let's pray and ask God for help. You need help right now. And maybe even say, if it's true, I was having a hard time today too. You know, when, I, when this happened earlier today, I was having a hard time. And I had to ask God to help me, and He did. Will He help us if we ask Him? You know, so then you, you pray and, and ask God to help. And uh, then if He does, say, that was great. Look, at, God helped you. Look, he, look how faithful He is. Isn't this so much better than, than if you had gone out and been all about everything all day long? Can't even use words for that. You know, it's just, you know how it is. That, that's no way to live. We want to be, you want to live that way all the time? No, let's, let's go in God's way. What's His way? Yeah, we go cheerfully. We do what He's called us to do. We, we live for Him. We're here for Him. We're going to His house. We're going to live there forever. This is a wonderful thing. Parents, I cannot stress enough. If you're consistent with admonition, you'll hardly ever have to move to further, more severe measures of discipline that God has given us. You nip it in the bud. You correct it. And in doing so, you create harmony with your children where you're, you're like a comrade. You're helping them. And, and you are, of course, when you do more severe discipline too, but it's harder to see. But in this way, you're helping them to, to do what's good and to, to have success in, in going down the way of the Lord. God's given us tools. It builds a sweet bond between parent and child. And then third, God has given you the rod and reproof. Okay, these are the more severe measures. These are to be used whenever your child has fallen out of fellowship. You know, there they are, whining, uncontrolled, or they're directly disobeying, defying, when they speak disrespectfully, when they're cruel to their siblings in some way. It is then that you need to call them away, rebuke them, and use the rod of reproof that God has appointed Whatever the world says, this is what we're called to do. These are never to be, these tools are never to be used by a parent with vengeance, but for correction and love because it's very serious to go off the pathway. If you saw a child that was getting ready to, to go off of a cliff, walk off of a cliff or going on a train track when a train was coming, you would use severe measures in order to stop them, whatever you needed to do. You need to be very firm, but poised and under control. Not a rant, not out of control. This is a measure that you're taking in order to set your children back on the right way as a responsible agent of the living God. You need to show them what they have done contrary to God. They already know most times. And call them back to repent. That's one of the things they already know. Children have consciences. They know when they're doing wrong. They know when they're being defiant. It's written all over them. It's not like they don't realize what they're doing. Don't be deceived by that. You know, sometimes parents will, this is kind of a little bit of a different way, but you know, the child doesn't obey them, doesn't come into, oh, I don't know if they heard. Well, try saying, hey, I just brought some cookies in. See what happens. Oh, the ears are fine then. Like, don't, don't, don't be deceived by these things. 
Remind them that they belong to God. Remind them how much better it is. Make it as sweet as you can to say, you know, this is for our good. We want to go on in God's way. We don't want to go in the way of destruction. That's the way of ruin. That's the way of, of, of devastation. Call them back. And once they repent and they recognize that they've done wrong, what did we talk about before with confessing our sins? Then, then you, you rejoice with them. Pray with them. Ask for God's forgiveness. Ask Him to help and assure them of His forgiveness. Ask Him to help them not to go in the, the, off the path again but to continue in His way. And once, so then assure them also of your love and God's love for them. These tools are all given to us by our Lord. And the only way to use them, I emphasize, is with prayer. All of these tools that we use to keep them on the pathway, it is by the grace of the Lord we look to Him to keep us on the pathway. But see, in our looking if we're looking to Him, we use the tools that He's put in our hands. Right? If you look to God for food, you use the tools that He's put in your hands. You, if you're a farmer, you plow and you sow the seed and you do the things He's given you looking to God. We do the same thing with our children. So here, the bottom line is, teach your children to live in fellowship with God, looking unto Jesus as they make their way to His glorious house with you. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Training speaks particularly of taste. It has to do with taste, the word training that's used there. So you give him a taste of walking to the house of God, walking in the way toward God. And it's very sweet. The road to glory is very sweet. And if you train him to live in that way in fellowship with the Savior, to walk in fellowship with the Savior, then he will be habituated to that. It will be a delight to him. God uses habit. You train him in the way. You, you bring him. You discipline him in the way. You form him into the way. And the child will, will not depart from it all his days because it will be so precious to him. Please stand and let's pray. Oh Lord God, we need so much help. We need so much help. <laughs> That's why Jesus came from heaven <laughs> and became flesh because we needed help. We, we could not possibly come to you. There's no, there's no way to get there. We were cut off by our sin. We were cut off by our rebellion. We were cut off by the guilt that had turned your wrath and curse against us justly, and there was no way that we could, we could relieve that. We could, we could confess and everything, but there was no way of alleviating it, of, of removing it. We still had to bear just punishment for our sins, but we thank you that the Son of God came we thank you that your great love sent the Son of God and that his great love that he came. And we thank you that he came in order to represent us on the cross. He came to be so associated with us as our king and our head with the whole church that so associated with us that all of our guilt could become his guilt. He took it as his own guilt. He said, punish me for for what they did, what all of them did. He was the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. And we thank you that he did that, that he endured the cross because the prospect of coming to your house with all of his people was so dear to him that he was willing to bear whatever he had to bear. And we thank you, O oh Lord, that, that you have done this. And now we have a, a, we have a way to get to you. That's the most important thing. But we also have a model that he left us of how to go to you, how to stay on the way. We don't have to do all that he did, but we do have to stay on the way. We, we can't go on another way and expect to end up in your house. We go down another pathway, we're not going to get there. But if we go on yours, we will. And we thank you, Lord, that, that you have given us a, a, a clear example in Jesus and all the other people that have gone before us, people that are alive today that are going on that pathway, and we see them enduring and going on because of the joy that is set before them, the prospect that they have. We pray, Lord, that you would enable us to lead our children to see the beauty of your house, to love your house, to want to go more than anything to your house and to consider everything else vanity. Father, have mercy and forgive us for the times when we have not presented it that way and those times have been far too frequent. 
Father, have mercy and forgive us. We're, we're, we're a mess. But we thank you, Lord, that you do forgive us and that you will overcome and that you can even turn our children back when we have led them down some stupid pathway. And we pray, Father, that you would be pleased to do so. We also pray, Lord, that we thank you that we can look to you to keep us in the way that you know, we don't have the strength to go in this way unless you divinely help us. We need your forgiveness. We need your continual grace as we go down the pathway or we'll be constantly going off. And our children need that same grace. And as parents, we need grace in order to guide them. So we need grace for ourselves. We need grace to guide them. And they need grace. And we pray that you'd give us that grace and help us to use the tools that you have given us as parents, special tools that you've given us, particularly for our parenting. And we pray, Lord, that we would use these tools to keep our little ones on the way. We thank you that when they're very small, it's very easy to see when they're on the way or when they're not on the way. And we pray that we wouldn't follow the delusions of the world that don't recognize that this child's out of the way. They're, they're off track. And uh, may we, Lord, have clarity from your word and not from the world that has made a mess of things. We see the condition that the world is in today. And, Father, we don't want any part of that. We want to follow you. We want to be your disciples and your people. So bless us, O Lord, in the use of all the tools that you have given us. Thank you so much, Lord, for the hope, again, of coming to our Father's house. What a lovely place it is. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago in Psalm 84. And what, what a beautiful, lovely place where we have a welcoming Father who, who sings over us as those who have been redeemed. He's so, all heaven rejoices when one sinner repents and, and gets on this pathway to come to Him. And we thank You, Lord, that when we really are on the pathway, when we really have believed, that even though we may stumble and fall and go in the ditch from time to time, that You will keep us. It's not us that keeps ourselves, it's You that keeps us. So we pray that all of us would be encouraged to come to you with sincerity, not doubting that you will keep us if we do. And that if we fall like David and Peter did, for example, that you'll bring us back, Lord. But if we're like Judas and we have a heart of, that's stony and that doesn't really believe that he was after something else when he came to Jesus, he wasn't after coming to the Father, then, uh, then he ended up in misery. Father, we look to you and we ask you to awaken those who have gotten off path too. Help them to see the glory of our Father's house and to be able to come to you. Thank you so much, Lord, that there is a way. Because if there wasn't a way, we would be ruined. We'd be miserable. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. People of God, receive now the blessing of the Lord. May our gracious Lord turn the hearts of you fathers to your children and the hearts of you children to your fathers, lest he come and strike you with a curse. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.